What is it? I just went down a rabbit hole looking at T-Rexes yesterday on the internet. How? I don't know. Like cartoon T-Rexes? Well, my mom posted this video of a T-Rex and it looked real. I was like, damn, that's cool. That looks real. It was like a robot Mm -hmm. (laughs) T-Rex. I was like, why are their arms so small? (laughs) Like, you got these little, get this giant monster of a fucking animal and they've got these like gimpy, useless arms. And I thought, God, how frustrating. Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. Welcome back to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together. I am your host, Jenna, and I'm here with... Lindsay. My co-host and counterpart, and she is a year older Actually, not a year older. She just turned a year older two days ago. Yes. Yes. I just turned 34. Yeah. So this is Lindsay's idea. She had this cool idea as she was reflecting on the last year, which I think we all do when we have a birthday. We kind of think back, like, how did a year go by? It's like I blinked and it happened. And then we think about the last year and then we think about the things we've learned or haven't learned or progress we've made. And also maybe the things that we wanted to do but didn't do. And so she said, hey, we should do a thing where we talk about the things that we've learned, you know, in the last year. But for me, it was kind of like my life so far, what I've learned. So, yeah. And it came up to one, I love when other podcasters share their lessons, whether it's something they learned over the year or their life lessons that they share even the main lessons they've learned from other mentors, I just, it's, it's always inspiring to me. And at 34 years old, I still feel like a baby. I still feel really young. And at the same time, I feel like I've learned a lot. And I've gone through experiences, even suffered through many things that made me the person I am today. So even though I'm, sometimes I still feel like, who am I to talk about this? Or who am I to teach these things? I have to call bullshit on myself. Well, I call bullshit on it in general. Yeah, why Why not? You can learn something from anyone when they're just one step ahead of you. You know, they don't have to have it all together. No one's fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. But if someone's gone through just one thing and maybe gone one step further, one day more, one year more, one thought that was different that can change you, what a beautiful gift. And right. I love that. I, I love that too. So I wanted to take some time to reflect on things that we've learned. So this episode is my five things that I want to share with all of our listeners. And Jenna's going to do her five on a different episode. We don't know what each other has written. Some of them may overlap. I don't know. So I'm sharing them with all of you as I sit here next to Jenna. I'm sharing them with her for the first time. So It's exciting. I hope I don't go on too many tangents. I don't want this to be a really long episode. Um, So I'll try to keep it sweet and to the point. And then I know Jenna will chime in and and riff off what we're talking about here as well. So yes, I can't wait. Okay. So the first one is discomfort is where the growth is. I talk about this all the time. My favorite quote is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I don't feel like practice makes perfect. I feel like we're always practicing at life and striving to get better. And that's really difficult at times. 
We love to consume information. As humans, we love to learn, but you just can't consume information to change your life. You really have to apply it. And many times that comes with trying and trying again, getting off your ass and doing it again. And with this comes perseverance. It comes with resilience. And then that growth happens. And you tend to build a tolerance when you've gone through something where it's really stressful that and you have to go through it again, it tends to be easier because you know that you've been through it and you trust yourself and you know the steps to get there. However, sometimes when you try something and it doesn't go the way you had hoped it would go, it's really easy to throw in the towel. One of my main points here is we have to catch ourselves when that happens to not just say, fuck it all, I tried and it didn't work out. And an example would be losing weight. I'll just use that one as an example. I'm trying to lose weight. I went and had a bunch of tacos and some margaritas on my birthday. And now I I blew one meal. Now I'm going to waste the whole week. Now I'm going to eat tacos and margaritas every day. Yeah. That's not a thing. (laughs) Yeah. You pick that back up and like do it That sounds like it would be again. awesome, though. I would love to eat tacos and margaritas <laughs> every day and not gain weight. Yeah. That'd be fantastic, but that doesn't work for me. <laughs> so you have to catch yourself and then start again and know that that consistency over time will add up to the goal that you're looking for. So when you talk about catching yourself, it's also catching that negative self-talk. Oh, well, of course I can't lose weight. Look, I keep doing this. Or look at me and you're constantly justifying why you can't achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult as well. And when we can stop and say, okay, that happened. Why did it happen? And what can I do differently? Then that's when we can make the change. And that's what we talk about with doing the thought work and understanding, you know, what are my what are my thoughts around this? Am I self-sabotaging myself? What are my triggers that are causing me to stumble when I really want to achieve this? What is stopping me? And so one of the things in order to achieve a goal and to get uncomfortable in order to maintain consistent growth is having your own buy-in. So here are some questions to ask yourself to get your own buy-in. What do I really want? How well is what I'm currently doing getting me to what I really want? And what is my current approach costing me? Those are good. Let me repeat those. What do you really want? How well is what you're currently doing is getting you to what you really want? And what is your current approach costing you? And once you identify those, what is one small change that you can make today to get you to what you really want? Mm -hmm. And when you can identify what you really want, you can know, as Jeremy Scott puts it best, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yes. So I love that. (laughs) I love that you, a couple of things. I love that you say, you know, don't give up because when shit gets hard, that's where the growth occurs. We all started out as babies that didn't walk. And I know we've heard this before, but when you were learning to walk, you didn't fall and be like, I guess I'm just not a walker. (laughs) Guess this thing just isn't for me. This walking thing just, you know, won't benefit me. It's it's too hard. It's not going to happen. And then you just decide to be somebody who crawls everywhere all the time. That's not the case. We instinctually just keep going and getting up and going and trying again and trying again. And that tenacity and persistence is what really is going to help you achieve your goal. 
And I think the other thing, just to bounce off the the three questions that you ask yourself is, if you keep doing the things that you've always done, you will always get the same results. You'll get the same results that you've always gotten. So you can't expect a different result by doing the same crap over and over again. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the, that's a big thing. You have to really stop and be aware. Awareness is key. Yep. Acknowledging that there is a problem is key. You hear that with, you know, addiction and um, relationship struggles, like having that awareness of what is happening. And if if you have goals that you are really striving towards and you cannot get there and you keep getting in your own way, get support. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody, get a coach, whether it's a life coach, a fitness coach, talk to a counselor, you know, go to therapy if you're really stuck. But that ability to get uncomfortable and do the shit that scares you in order to to achieve that growth and consistently get uncomfortable and have, again, building that momentum, having that momentum to achieve that is is key. Personal growth is freaking awesome, but doing the work is fucking hard. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. It, it is hard. It is. It's not just listening to podcasts and reading some books and, oh, you feel better. That's not it. You have to apply it. And that's when it usually stops. We tend to feel good listening to it. And then we go about our day and nothing ever changes. Yep. So discomfort is where the growth is. So number two, this came later in life, but I believe that manifestation is a real thing. I truly believe this now. I used to always feel for many, many years, most of my life that I felt things because certain things were happening to me. I felt sad because something happened to me. No, I felt sad because that my thought about that thing. Your interpretation. My interpretation, my perceptions, my beliefs, all these things, the beliefs that I inherited from childhood, my culture, my environment, all these things, Mm -hmm. you know, have that influence on me. However, I know that I'm in control of my thoughts and that controls my feelings, which controls my actions, which then I get results. This whole idea of this law of attraction, I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. And now I believe it. Manifestation and law of attraction isn't, oh, if I just sit here and wish it so much, it's going to happen for me. And oh, I just want that dream home and this car and all this money. And if I just think about it hard enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. That's this, that's not it. So I think the best way to explain the the law of attraction is You have to get emotionally involved with the things that you want because your thoughts create your feelings. Yeah. And so if you want something, the thought of having something, you really have to become emotionally invested in it and it will change the vibration that you show up, your energy, that how you show up in the world. And everything is on an energy frequency. Mm -hmm. So if we're vibrating at a high frequency because we truly believe and we're emotionally invested in the things that we want Mm -hmm. versus the things that we don't want, because you can focus just as easily or heavily on the things that you don't want and then you're vibrating at a completely different frequency and I know a lot of people think that that might be woo-woo but it's Mm -hmm. the truth it's like strumming a guitar when you pick the strings they vibrate and they create noise that you can hear beautiful no different so if you're emotionally invested enough and you believe for example you use the home or the car and then you become so attached to that thought that the feeling in your body creates a sense of empowerment and motivation for you to get your goals, crush them, Mm -hmm. and get those things that will manifest in your life because you've 
upped your frequency. Yeah. I love that. And thank you for elaborating on that. Because I I know I feel it. Yeah. And I know I have that within me. Just like you said, if I focus on the negative, all that's going to show up in my life is negative shit. Because it's all I see. Yeah, what you focus on grows. I feel like some people believe that manifestation is also coincidence or luck. Which, sure, things happen. Things might come your way. But... If your thoughts and your frequency is not in the right place, you're never going to see it as an opportunity. You're going to miss it. Yeah. Right? So you have to be open to opportunity. You have to be open to see these things and to pin it out to where, wow, is that a coincidence? Well, you know, maybe not. It's like what I talked about in the previous podcast with, you know, people say, or my mom says, you know, you're so lucky. Well, am I? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've just done a lot and brought a lot of good into my life and taken opportunities where I see them and ran with them and were able to pick out on my intuition to say, okay, what is my gut feeling here? Is this a good idea? And run with it and trust myself in that time. Some may have thought that those were compulsive behaviors, but I really think it was me going with my intuition, knowing that that was the best thing for myself. So a couple examples of that is being in the funeral industry. My dad died when I was 13 Mm -hmm. in a motorcycle accident. And I went and applied at the funeral home where his service was. Why would I ever want to be reminded of that day, every day going to work? I have no idea. I just knew (laughs) I needed to go there. (laughs) It was the best thing as well, because That funeral home had an embalming facility and was set up in a way that I was able to live out my dream of operating. I thought I wanted to own one, but I ended up operating and managing one of the biggest embalming and crematory facilities in the company. And it grew and grew and grew. And Mm -hmm. I've been in the funeral industry for 12 years and it's just it just happened that way. I don't know. It just something brought me there and it put me in the place because I didn't want to meet with families. I didn't want to do that side of it. All I wanted to do was embalm. Yeah. And that place took me to that space where there were only three of these at the time in the state and then they were all condensed into one that was mine. I was the manager of that over time. So again, that was kind of my intuition and me envisioning long-term what this was like and, and I just kept going with it. Kyle and I used to dream of having a dream home Mm -hmm. and we thought about it and we thought about it and I ended up buying a house some said compulsively for us to live in but I knew it was a stepping stone for us to get to a bigger home I knew this and one camping trip we were talking to some friends and they said you should come check out our neighborhood I was like yeah sure yeah I'll do that not thinking like to do it right away but As soon as we got home from that camping trip, Kyle's brother said, I need you. They were moving into their new house. And they said, come help us move this couch. Okay. We haven't even showered from our camping trip. Looking filthy. We are disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Smelly. Go and help his brother move this couch. And we drove by our friend's neighborhood. We're like, that's where Scott and Michelle live. Holy shit. We need to stop. Smelly as could be. We toured the home, which was our dream home. Yeah. The next day we bought the house. We just knew that day at that time we were open to it and we saw it. That house ended up introducing me to Jenna. Yeah. That day when we were sitting there, I saw her husband, Jake, who I've known since fifth grade. And 
this thing that we're creating with this podcast and creating our own brand and our lifestyle is a manifestation of what I have always wanted to do. It's just, it happens. And people, I believe that people are brought into your life at certain times and they're meant to be there. And I believe that we are here now for a very specific reason and a purpose. And we have both manifested this into our life through positive thinking, through seeking opportunity, through having positive thoughts and getting uncomfortable, right? Making big changes like buying a, your dream home and moving and all that, that, that takes guts too, right? Nothing that, none of that should be discredited. I also believe that what you want to do is what the universe wants you to do. It's attracting each other because that's how you're going to show up as your best self. Mm-hmm. And how freaking awesome is that? It's pretty freaking awesome. Next one. Your career does not define you. This is something that I had to really work through the last couple of years. in the way that me being a mortician, me being an embalmer, I've lived it for 12 years and now going to be a life coach, you know, being an embalmer is very cool. And our career tends to be a label. What's one of the first things that people ask you when you meet them? What do you do? Yes, that's so true. So it's kind of who you are. And when people retire, they feel like they lose part of their identity. Yes. And so with me making this career change, one of the things that stopped me before anything was losing my identity as a mortician. I thought it was cool. I thought I wouldn't be as cool if I wasn't a mortician. You're still cool. Thank you. (laughs) And then saying I'm a life coach, people are like, what is that? And I had to be okay with that, right? Yeah. I was okay with people thinking I was weird as a mortician, but I dug it. I loved loved all of it, right? Well, and it's fun to talk about. Yeah, I had interesting stories. I gave that wow factor, right? Well, like people let's- ask me since, you know, you're my best friend. They're like, whoa, I know she's a mortician. So like, and I'm like, then they start asking me questions mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, you should really talk to her because she's got some amazing stories. Yeah. But it's, it's funny how great- that is. Yeah. yeah. It's a conversation Total starter. Total conversation starter. And I even thought like, what the fuck am I going to talk about now? <laughs> now that I'm, and now I'm, I'm not going to be managing in the funeral home and being in the funeral industry. But long term, I want to be a coach and I want to change people's lives. And just because you've been doing something for a long, long time, just because it was a passion of yours and you still love it doesn't mean you can't change. Just because that you spent a shitload of money getting your degree and you tried out your job and it's not what you thought it was doesn't mean you have to stay. Just because people think that your job is notable or lucrative, or, you know, puts you in some different class of professionals doesn't mean you have to stay. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. Mm -hmm. Your job does not define you. No matter how much I love telling people as a mortician and the reaction it would get, I also hated talking about it a lot of times because I got asked the same questions all the time. Yeah. It was something I really had to work through. I was scared to not be that anymore because it became part of my identity and it's freeing for it not to be anymore. Yeah. And I think that's totally normal and something that we all go through. And I think I'm so glad that you said this because 
there are people who will go through and just think, that, well, I, I did spend all this money on my student loans and I did go to college for this. And now I realize that either this is no longer something that I'm passionate about or is serving me. Or maybe it's like you found new interests as you grow because we grow, we learn, and then we find new passions as we age. And sometimes what what worked for us at a certain period of our life isn't going to work for us always. I was listening to a podcast recently that Marie Forleo, I think it was Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield. And one of the things that they were debunking were all these myths about starting your own business. And one of them is, I'm too old for this. I can't start over because now I'm in my, how you know, X age, pick an age. Because I think we all think that we're too old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like our time has passed. But yeah. it's like, no, you know, this lady was like in her 60s and she she was retired and she decided to reinvent herself and do a, a business. I can't even remember what it was, but successful multi-million dollar business. And it's never too late. You can always choose again. And as long as you're passionate about it and you love it and you keep going, you work through the discomfort, you can do anything. So yeah, yeah you don't have to be defined by one thing your whole life. No. I love that. Such a good point. All right. Lesson number four. Mom guilt is a misplaced guilt. This is something we get a lot in the Facebook group. Yeah. We ask people when they come into our tribe, what are some things that they want to do to get their shit together? And originally, when we made our first post in that group, we got a ton of people that were giving us feedback on what they wanted to hear. And mom guilt was a biggie. It's big. And we've never been able, I'm so glad that it's one of your things that you're going to tell us today because we've never really been able to figure out where to fit it in. And honestly, I never wanted to talk about it because I'm a newer mom. My child is almost two. However, in being a mom and having this experience, I have learned a lot in two years, but I also see how you can be a leader in different areas of your life and how they all cross over. And how so much of me showing up as a mom was so much of me showing up as a manager. And when I say a manager, I was a manager of a 24-hour operation who took care of 7,000 decedents, 60 employees, and it was around the clock, right? That job ruled my life, okay? Mm -hmm. So when I say I have a lot to say, I have a lot of positive things to say and a lot of hopefully tidbits of information that I've taken. I listened to a couple podcasts also about mom guilt to kind of get a little bit of clarity on how to talk about it because I don't want this to be a negative conversation. I want it to be a sense of enlightenment and almost like a relief because if you're a mom, you know how you want to show up as a mom. I truly feel like we all know how we show up as a mom and being a parent is an opportunity, a growth opportunity. It is a gift and it's amazing, but it's fucking hard as hell and we know this. Okay, so we all need to give ourselves the grace to be flexible. And again, going back to like understanding where, you know, we may have faults, acknowledging them and doing the work to repair them and and really showing up how we want to show up. Because being a parent, they say, oh, this work-life balance, that's a bunch of bullshit. If you put everything on a scale, it's never going to be on the little scale and it's going to be in alignment, right? It's, I call it a dance now. Parenting is a dance of what is best for your child, what is best for you financially, while also maintaining a healthy relationship with your spouse, partner, or whomever you co-parent with. I believe that no one can parent like you can, but we have to also be mindful of when we need help. 
and reaching out for help. We all hear that it takes a village to raise a child. And you may not have a village, but you have a friend, a parent, in-laws, daycare, a babysitter. Reach out for help when you need it. I love Shalene Johnson. She's one of my mentors. And she, she was explaining on one of her podcasts that guilt isn't a bad thing. Guilt could actually be your subconscious telling you something isn't right. That something's going on where you feel guilty over something and maybe you should feel guilty because something is out of alignment. The guilt that gets us, the guilt that holds us back is the misplaced guilt of what other people's expectations are. That's where the concern is. I almost thought like I should have mom guilt working and doing all these things when I didn't have a lot of mom guilt and I felt guilty for not having mom guilt because this was like a big thing and I kept hearing about it. I'm like, I'm a person that needs to work. So with my experience with Avery, I had Avery when I was still managing and I decided it was best to step down because I could not be present and be there for Kyle and her managing a 24-hour operation. And I said, it's time to chase my dream. I want to be a life coach and have a say on when I work and when I don't. And that way I can be present. So yes, I can still work and fulfill me and fill my cup being a professional and growing and doing me. And then I'm more present for her. I'm not thinking about all the other stuff. Being pulled away from her as a manager was was hard. But when I stepped down and people were saying, oh, you're stepping down to be home with Avery more? Well, I, I see her more, yes. I see her a lot more than I did. And when I am with her, I am much more present. But Avery still goes to daycare Monday through Friday. So I can go to school. I can coach. I can build my business and do the things I need to do. And she gets the the lovely interaction that she gets with the kids. And then when I pick her up, I'm not working anymore. She gets my full attention, right? And so the expectation that I got was like, you're going to be home with Avery more. I said, no, I'm actually busier than I've ever been. and I, But I do see Avery more, but she still goes to daycare. And I got lots of looks yeah, from family members, from people at work, from other adults. Well, you have the opportunity to stay at home. I, I know I cannot be a stay-at-home mom, and I am okay with that. I know how, how I show up best. I need time alone. I need time with Kyle. I need time with my girlfriends. I need time to be creative. I need time to grow. And I need time with Avery. I need all of it to show up and keep my sanity. When I was home on maternity leave for those three months, I went crazy. Yeah. To the point where I was crying and I said, I need to get the fuck out of this house. And I (laughs) handed Avery to Kyle and I left. I know how that shows up, but if I felt anything, it was the judgment that people were putting on me that I was like, man, maybe I am doing this wrong, but I know I know how I want to parent and Kyle and I have talked about this and we are okay as a family unit. Yeah. And that's that's what matters to me. It's that misplaced guilt. And I think we're so hard on ourselves as moms on what this expectation is and things to do and when we just really need to reflect on the things that we are doing good, mm-hmm. right? Can we just take the time to realize that we are doing a lot and we are doing a good job and give ourselves some fucking kudos for that and not be so fucking hard on ourselves? That would be amazing. 
Yeah. I think the key here is too that you're you're like, I don't have mom guilt, but I was feeling guilty about not feeling guilty. I mean, that's a huge thing that we've kind of put on moms that you should feel guilty. And that's not something that I ever thought about until just now, but I think that is the expectation. The expectation is you'll have a child and you'll feel guilty. Because you the can't time. go to all the things and be there all of the time and and you feel guilty for not chasing your own dreams or doing your own thing or you feel guilt. It doesn't matter. There are people out there who might be stay-at-home moms and that is their dream. But maybe they have guilt in some other area. You know, like there's nothing wrong with whatever you choose to do. I think that's what Lindsay's trying to get at. If you choose to be a stay-at-home mom and that's your dream and you want to do that, you don't need to feel guilty for that. You yeah. don't have to have guilt associated with that. If you want to be a working mom, I think that's amazing and I just it just blows my mind that we have put these and it's it's social media too right like and I don't want to get too far off on a tangent because I know you have a lot to say about this but I think it's like hard to see other moms doing all the things and seemingly being perfect and then you feeling like you're falling short I think that's part of it too I think that's a huge part of it I think that goes in most areas of our life because we are exposed to so many highlights and look at them and you know look at this woman who's a corporate executive and has three children and all this it's like well she probably has a crew behind her to help her with this right it's the truth you can't run you can't be the ceo of pepsi and have three kids and you know thrive doing your job and not have support you know she probably's got some nannies oh yeah absolutely a personal trainer and people to keep her sane and operate. Exactly. I just, we see the end result when we don't see all the behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So we're all exposed to that. And I'm going to say, fuck Pinterest and Instagram, the expectation of what a birthday party and a baby shower and all that. Forget it. Forget it. Make memories. Yeah. No one's going to fucking remember your pretty little cupcakes that you made later on. Make memories, not photos. I cannot even with toddler birthday parties and no offense to any friends or loved ones that do this and they love I know there are some people who just love to throw parties and it's great but like when I was one I think I got a piece of cake and a balloon and my mom and dad my grandma and grandpa and I'm not saying like this is well when I was your age I had to walk 15 miles in the snow (laughs) like that's not what this is but come on I think we've put these unnecessary exponentially huge expectations on moms and families Mm. and it's like for fucking what for what make memories with your kids and birthday parties can be awesome especially when they're older like have fun one of my girlfriends did like a drive-in movie theater theme and backed up the trucks and had some candy and we watched a movie like their one-year-old no okay that's what i'm saying making memories with older kids but your one two-year-old birthdays yeah it doesn't have to be crazy anyway i mean i'm going off on a tangent (laughs) i'm just saying the whole thing was, it, it's, it is making memories, but Pinterest and Instagram, it's not real. Just be you and be the parent you want to be and and have fun with your children and take off some of that those high expectations because I think it goes that we put high expectations on ourselves. We, we may be putting too high of expectations on our children. I think we just put, like Jenna said, exponentially high expectations on things that don't need it. We're putting too much energy into things that don't matter when we need to be taking the energy and putting into things that do matter. 
Can I say one more thing? Mm-hmm. The I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. And one of the things that I loved about her book was she grew up on the south side of Chicago. They had nothing. Her dad ended up having MS and worked until the day he died. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom, but also worked outside the home sometimes. And one of the things that she mentioned was that her mom was always allowing her and her brother to be who they were without putting a crazy amount of expectation on them. But also she would say, my mom always said that she was raising adults, Mm -hmm. not kids. Yes. And I just, I loved that. And I think, you know, going from taking these expectations and going, okay, how am I raising my kids so that they will be an amazing person moving forward. Is the birthday party and the Pinterest and the Instagram perfection, is that serving them? No, it's just teaching them to be perfect. And that's not, that doesn't exist as you know. Raise adults mm-hmm. and I think you'd be fine. I know that was a weird tangent. I don't really it know. Was it was good. And it ties into what I'm about. What oh, I'm great. Oh, yay. I set it up. Here we go. I'm serving it up. I'm balls over to you. <laughs> so again, and these are some lessons I've learned in correlating with this mom guilt and feeling guilty for not having this mom guilt, right? It feels like it's misplaced guilt a lot of times. I want to talk about some things that I have learned and how my professional life has kind of come into my home and how I show up as a mom because I feel like it is so similar. Mm-hmm. I feel like these lessons are taught young and they carry through. And some people who I manage, I'm like, I wish they would have learned this when they were a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why didn't you? Why didn't you learn this sooner? <laughs> So these are just a couple of things on how Kyle and I show up. So remember, it's not about what we say. It's it's what we model every day. So we talk about personal brand, how we show up. It's, it's what we're modeling, for, what we want for our children, whether it's relationships, being a good friend, acceptance of others, and acceptance of self, self-love, compassion, proper coping habits, communication, healthy habits, fitness habits, and then healthy boundaries, emulating this, showing your child what this is. Because when we are clear about our values, boundaries, priorities, and get clear about these with ourselves and with the other parent, we can be consistent with these. And this is what your child or children are going to see. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for saying that. Those are all so Great. That's so much more helpful than seeing a perfect life on Instagram or Pinterest. No one's perfect. And I don't want to ever give that expectation of being perfect. And this is exactly why I wanted to talk about this too, is because even as a manager and a a leader at work, you can't expect people to be perfect. People are human, Mm -hmm. right? And we give these guidelines, but we really model as leaders on how we want others to show up and how to treat others and how we are going to be treated. Mm -hmm. So something that helps with this is really explain the why. So not just telling someone what to do because they need their buy-in. Again, like everyone kind of needs buy-in to follow through, but rather than just making random demands, we, we can explain the why. Just because mom said so, sure, you can use that from time to time. But if you're really trying to teach a lesson, maybe explain the why. And just like what Jenna was saying, empower people to make decisions. Let them be involved in decision making. If we're helicopter parents or micromanagers, this doesn't serve anybody. They don't know how to make decisions and they don't ever feel empowered to do anything better. They're never going to come with to you with ideas because you've just 
spoon fed them the entire time, right? Can I say something? Yeah. This is also applies to their pain. Exactly. You cannot fix your kid's pain. And quite frankly, that's not your place. It's not your job. And you are doing them a huge disservice if you're constantly fixing their pain and discomfort. They need to learn that pain and discomfort and emotions are okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel bummed. It's okay to feel disappointed. You can feel like crap sometimes. The feeling will pass. It's how we deal with the emotion that's important. And that, I think... I think that's a huge disservice we always want to do for, I do it with my husband, not not just my, I mean, I don't have kids, but if I had kids, I, I'm sure the urge to want to fix their problems and do everything, not do everything for them, but like make it so they're not in pain because it sucks to watch anybody struggle. Yeah. But we're really not helping them and setting them up for success if we do that. No, it's... And you don't have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to feel guilty about not fixing your kids' problems. They need to learn. Because guess what? Someday when they're not under your roof, they're going to have to figure it out. And what better way to equip them out into the world than if you have been a guide and not a fixer? Jenna and I were just talking about this. And when I'm at the funeral home, I see the aftermath of some devastating situations where I can't even comprehend the kind of pain or suffering some people went through. And one of those, sadly, is child and adolescent suicides. I know because of the industry I've worked in for so long that terrible, awful things happen, and we can never predict that. And I can't even comprehend how a child could do that or get to that place. And I know that I do not have all the answers, but it terrifies me to even try to comprehend how to prevent this. And we can really get caught in the overwhelm of the what ifs and thinking of all the situations that could happen and really getting upside down in in, in fear. All I know is that all of us as parents can just do our best to model what we want for our kids, be present as much as possible make as many connections with them as we can, communicate with them, be open to anything and not to not to put such a high expectation where they feel unworthy. Worthiness is huge and again, I know that I'm a new mom, but I I believe this is just innately within us as humans and and people who want connection and I just know as parents it's so so difficult and I hope that one day I will be able to communicate to Avery to let her know that it's okay to feel emotions and we don't always have to be strong and and suffer in silence. We are able to express ourselves in a healthy way and whether it's to me or to a counselor or to another family member, but to have some line of open communication that is healthy where we're not stuffing our feelings and being at the effect of everybody else. Because it's not just in their classroom or their friends in the neighborhood. It is on a global level now. They are getting bombarded and have all these judgments coming at them via the internet and via social media. I can't even fathom what it's like to grow up in this age. I know I'm raising a child 
during this time. And I don't even know what's to come when she's 13. Because 13 years ago, for us, things were so different. So I can't imagine how different it's going to be when she is 10, 12, 13. I can't even, I don't even want to think about it. All I know is that I can show her and emulate and be the model for that. Because perception is everything, right? Perception, when your children see you do something, it's not about your words, it's all about what they see. And I know what I saw, my parents divorced when I was seven. And I saw two people who were divorced, but I got through that divorce probably better than some other kids because I saw two parents who were co-parenting, who talked kindly to one another, who co-parented successfully and never spoke poorly about one another to me. So I never had any misguided thoughts or feelings about the other parent. I just went back and forth to my parents' house and I was fine. That divorce did not affect me like I think it did for some of my friends growing up. So it it, it all goes back to the modeling. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, modeling what the expectation is and and when you treat someone a certain way, you know, you give permission for others to treat you that way or for it to be okay to treat others that way. Yeah. Well, and the the whole phrase do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work for me. I don't think that works for anybody. So if you're going to sit there and and expect certain things out of your children or your employees or whoever you're showing up for, you have to, you got to talk, you got to walk the talk. Can't just sit there and nobody's going to respect you, including your children. Exactly. So I want to go back. When we talked about fixing things, I heard this on another podcast and this is a tangent, but when we go, when we talk about fixing people, like getting people involved in the result and saying what went wrong. Okay. Now what, what can we do to correct that? And allowing children to make mistakes and still acknowledging the effort. Not everyone needs a fucking trophy, but it's still acknowledging that they did the hard work and then going from there and allowing those growth opportunities, I think is critical. But I heard on a podcast where parents go into classrooms and try to negotiate with teachers about their child's grades. That is absolutely insane. I I could not fathom. I have a friend that's a teacher and she has confirmed that that is the truth. I cannot fathom that. My parents would never do that for me. I would never do that for Avery if Avery was getting like D or C. Oh my God. We would be working on it internally at home and figuring out what the hell's going on. Seriously. And helping her. I would not go to the teacher and be like, what That's can we do? That's some motherfucking entitlement right there. <laughs> I just can't. I can't either. The whole idea of helicopter parenting and all this, I know it's a scary world. I know things that can happen, but grades have nothing to do with their longevity and well-being. You're, you're hindering them. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to die because they're getting a C. Let them get that C. Let them get that C and figure out what's going on. What is going on? What is, what is, let's not put a Band-Aid on it. Let's get to the root cause right. and figure out what's going on. Again, it's, I feel like it just goes back to so much what, what managing is. You can't just put a Band-Aid on shit because the organization, the process is going to fall apart. People are going to fall apart. People are going to lose momentum. People are not going to be empowered and capable mm-hmm. to do the job and to thrive if we just spoon feed them everything. Be a leader. Don't have too high expectations. Don't beat yourself up and don't let the opinion of others cause guilt in your life. You know how you want to parent. Be that parent. 
whatever that looks like for you. It is not a mold that we all fit into. It's just we're all trying to navigate this life and things change so fast and things happen. And all we can do is prepare ourselves for those things. Yeah. That's a great takeaway. If anyone is interested in hearing more about quieting mom guilt, you should listen to one of the podcasts I listen to. It's Shalene Johnson. Are you a good parent in quieting mom guilt? I'll put that in the show notes. It was a really good episode. I got a lot from it. And I would suggest all moms go and listen to that. She really she talks about some of the things I mentioned, but in more in depth and then some. So I'm not going to go into all of that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But if you want to hear more about it, it'll be in the show notes. You can go listen to it. It's an excellent episode. Awesome. So last one. You'll never have more time in your life than you do right now. Life is short, people. Take it from a mortician. (laughs) I can't emphasize this enough. I think we all know this innately, but none of us ever put it into context because we're so caught up in the now and being at the effect of time when we don't think we have more time now than we do in an hour, tomorrow, the next day. The time is going to pass. We have no control over it is the most humbling thing that we have is time because it's the same for everybody. What is your future self going to think about you? Is it going to be proud of you or are you going to wish you did something different? If you knew how long you had to live, if we all knew that I'm going to live till 55 or maybe I live till 35, would the fears and the bullshit and my inner critic that's holding me back now seem so prevalent or would it shut up and I would do it anyway? How much would your life change if you could put a life expectancy on it? A -hmm. shelf life, so to say. Your expiration date. Your expiration date. When are you going to expire? Because everything has an expiration date, by the way. Even Twinkies. Even Twinkies. (laughs) (laughs) And McDonald's fries. Nothing lasts forever. This too shall pass. The same thing. So I think that, thank you, because I think especially for anyone who's going through a hard time and like you're saying the fears or the things that are holding you back say you're going through a really rough patch something's going on in your life this too shall pass and life is short and we just need to keep that context in mind there's so much to be said in a lifetime and jenna and i were just sitting talking about this the other day And I was saying, you know, it's fascinating to hear the stories of people's lives that come into the funeral home. Like we hear the stories, we we read their obituaries, and it's fascinating what one person can do in a lifetime. And it's it's tragic when someone doesn't live up to their full opportunity as well, when there's great loss. But there's so much you can do in a lifetime that's just remarkable. And if you have that capacity to do that and you have something to share and you're not doing it, you're doing yourself and everyone a disservice. Get uncomfortable, get aligned with your values, understand what you really, really want and what is getting in your way and what doing that is costing you and get it done. Do it anyway, because Mm -hmm. a year from now, two years from now, 40 years from now, when you can look back and say, I lived my life to the fullest, 
I don't have any regrets. How fucking amazing is that? When you show up as your best self, as the best friend, as the best spouse, as the best parent, as the best employee, it's going to be miraculous. You're going to have shared that with everybody and modeled that for people who are going to then model that themselves. And then it's going to spread exponentially. It's just, there's so much to experience and it can be taken away so quickly. Mm -hmm. Don't die with your music still inside you. Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. We all know things happen and I'm not, I don't want to sit there and scare everyone like you could die tomorrow but we all could. My dad died when I was 13 from a tragic motorcycle accident. My mom came and got me in eighth grade and pulled me out of my class. And I thought I was going to the orthodontist. Yeah. (laughs) But she told me my dad died. And my life changed forever. From someone who has experienced great loss in this lifetime, I can only hope that everyone would look as life as a gift. Mm -hmm. And me being a parent now, I understand that more. I show up differently. I act differently. And all I know is I can just do everything I can. And even if your life doesn't end, it can drastically change. And whether it's disease or illness, I watched a brilliant man suffer from a brain tumor he was my friend's father two of my best friends it was their dad and he was a father figure to so many and when he died I took care of him and I and the year before I took care of his mother and and it's just I don't know anyway so I took care of him in the funeral services and it was heartbreaking when when we just realized how how much had changed like just so quickly he was just a thriving human who who had the most brilliant mind and was the most radiant person and then he was ill and then his family had to take care of him his wife took care of him god bless her and the whole community lost a beautiful person we just we watched this we were witness to it and I have another dear friend who is suffering from cancer. And if I could share or take away from either of these stories, just be grateful for the timing that you have with those people. Even if someone nags at you when those people are gone, mm-hmm. if those people may drive you crazy, when they're gone, you're going to miss that. The time is going to pass. But we must be grateful for what we have. And that goes back to our thoughts and manifesting the good in our life and not focusing on the negative and focusing on what do we have that's amazing. It could be something so small, but so many things are amazing. So many things, and I'm not a believer, but they're fucking miracles. It's a miracle that I go to work every day and don't die in a car accident. Like it just is. It's a miracle that my mom is still alive and I have a amazing stepfather. My husband has this amazing family and I have all this beautiful community around me and it's just every there's so much good in life that it would just what a waste if we didn't Mm -hmm. share our gratitude and acknowledge our gratitude for it don't take things for granted things can change in an instant 
awful things happen. We know this. That is life. But while we have it and we're still here, please be grateful for all the good in your life. So well said. That's amazing. That's that, it. That is the perfect way, I think, to end. Ending on a profound lesson that all of this is temporary. We have to make the best of the time that we're here. Don't let the small shit hold you back. And don't take the things that are so important to you for granted. And we're all human. Things get busy. Life gets hectic. And nobody's perfect. So this isn't like, be perfect in your life. Be the best all the time. Do the best with what you have right now. And take the risks. Do the things that you want to do while you're still here. And you're still well. And you're kicking. And make the best of it. So thank you. Thank that. you. That is it, guys. Sorry to end on a heavy note. <laughs> no, it was a, it was not a heavy note. Um, it was the best way that you could. Gratitude is everything. Yeah. Pulls me out of my funks when I when I focus on instead of what I'm lacking, I focus on what I'm what I already have and what there is to gain. It's a total perspective and game changer. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. They were insightful. I know that everybody is better off having heard them. And um, next week we have a freaking amazing interview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I want to I wanna talk a little bit about that. So we have Andrea Owen coming on the podcast next week. And she's a life coach and founder of Your Kick-Ass Life. She has the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. And so if any of you have ever heard of Andrea Owen and you know what a badass, amazing chick she is, Holy crap. I love her. I feel like I know her. I feel like I know her dog. So, because I follow her on Instagram and she's always got her funny dog on on Instagram stories. So, if you haven't checked her out or you don't know who she is, I highly encourage you to go over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to a few episodes of Your Kick-Ass Life. She is an expert on the inner critic and managing your shame and the shame shit storms that come with life. So mm-hmm. we're going to get into that next week. It's going to be awesome. And uh, you won't want to miss it. So go check her out. Come back next week for that interview. And until then, we will see you next time. Adios. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.